My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today are three guests, the return of the go-getters. <laughs> Hello, go-getters. Hello. Those, those go-getters are Denise Cruz-Castino. Hello. Hi. Adriel Walden. Hello. And Mike Martin. Hi there. The last time these go-getters were on was February of 2017, according to my records. <laughs> I know. And at that time, we were talking to you guys because you were all you know, in L.A. and having some movement on your projects and your careers in completely different ways. And I thought that was, you know, it was inspiring to people. And since then, some other movement has happened. When I say movement, it sounds like bowel movement. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those things have happened. Yeah. I can Not speak for myself. Okay. So. We could talk about that a little bit more. It's up to you, really. It's all your podcast. Um, but this, you know, the, the idea of a reunion podcast happened when, uh, when Denise Cruz Castillo got in touch about some interesting things that have happened since the last time she was on. Um, when you were last on, you'd had a horror short that was produced. Um, you'd been getting some interest around town. You'd been taking some fancy meetings, things like that. And you were on the brink. And then tell everybody about this particular project. Um, so this one is called Five Weddings, mm -hmm. and um, I wrote this script actually about 14 years ago. As one does. <laughs> and thought it would get produced like, you know, a year later, and uh, next thing I knew it got produced 14 years later. <laughs> now, how, how was it discovered Well, the years producer later? came to me. Okay. So um, it's mostly set in India, and mm -hmm. I had spent a month in India traveling around the world. And so a writer friend of mine had been working with a producer on something else. And I had written a script based on something that happened to me in India. And he said, hey, this producer is looking for someone who can write a story that she has set in India. Would you be interested in sharing your script with her and writing? And I was like, well, sure. You know, so that was kind of how it started um, the whole project. So it was her idea. And then I wrote her idea. And tell everybody what it's about. And sure, yeah. So um, basically, um, it's a Indian and American woman. So she's her mom is played by Bo Derek. So she's half and half. And um, she was raised here. Her dad was went back to India. So she knows nothing about her culture. Does not like her culture. And she works for a fashion magazine and has to go to India to cover five weddings and like the beauty and journalistic stylistic weddings, you know, five weddings. So she goes there, is paired up with an Indian police escort so that she doesn't um, report on anything she shouldn't, that the government doesn't want her to. So the guy is like, okay, you're an annoying American because she's like, ew, India, oh my God, you know. And then she meets him and is just like, ugh, India, what is this place? So of course, you know, 
if they fall in love, you know, because <laughs> it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> and how is it doing? Where is it playing here? And um, is it playing there? <clears throat> um, it was, yeah. It um, it premiered in, at Cannes, mm-hmm. so that was kind of cool, you know. Um, uh, and then it opened. Um, it's not in the theaters right now, but it. Uh, I think some countries it still is, but it opened here October twenty sixth, and it opened and then played in fifty two countries. So that was like more than I ever expected when I, you know, worked with her. I just thought like, oh, it'll get to a festival and that'll be cool, you know, and I did not expect can, you know, so that was kind of neat. And um, but now it's also on video demand. So it's on Amazon and it's going to be on Netflix and it's on iTunes and it's on Fandango now and a bunch of other like Spectrum and Cox and stuff like that. So. Didn't yeah. it get banned somewhere? It did. It got Yay! <laughs> you know Yay! you're successful when because <laughs> it has a transgender storyline. And so um the producer had to cut a lot of the story because a lot of countries even India were not happy that the transgenders were featured at all. Wow. So the storyline um in India it turns out that um the um, hedras is what they're called in India. They visit uh, weddings to bless the weddings. But it's interesting that even though they show up, they're still frowned upon. And it's known that they show up, but mm-hmm. it's like they're not accepted either. It's kind of an interesting story mm. angle. So, um, so yeah, so the uh, Indian government and a lot of countries did not like it. I think it was Kuwait that banned it completely, even though she made all these changes to edit it. Um, to make people happy, it still got banned. So um, yeah, so it w- it got some traction because of it, which is like okay, well that's cool. But it, you know, really we would have liked to have told the story that we wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Even on Twitter, like I saw someone because it w- ended up being in Deadline, which I thought, oh that's kind of cool. I'm in Deadline, you know, so that was kind of fun. And then like so Deadline tweeted it, and someone random person you know how Twitter can be. Someone wrote they did that on purpose, like to get banned. And I was like. Well, and I had to respond because I wanted to not because I don't like fighting on Twitter. But I was like, what are you talking about? We were just telling a story. There was no like, I hope we get banned so we get traction. Like that was like, writers don't do that. No. Sorry. You just want to tell a story. And these people are part of this journey in India of mm-hmm. weddings. It's like, of course, you want to make it real, you know. So it was kind of interesting, the whole banning thing. And I, I know the producer director was um you know definitely upset that the story had to be compromised because she had to make so many changes to you know make these countries even play her movie right now adria the last time i saw you in person Mm -hmm. was at the london screenwriting festival yes do you also have uh well London is kind of your thing, right? You're an Anglophile, right? Right. So, uh, so I was going to ask Denise, are are you interested in continuing to write stories around the world? And I was just wondering, Adria, if maybe you also sort of had like goals of of writing across the pond. Oh my gosh, I would love it. I would I would leave. I would move out of my house today if (laughs) someone offered me a job. I would leave. The door would just be like swinging in the wind. My pets be roaming the streets. I would leave this afternoon. Uh, Yes, I very much so. And one of the things that's been really cool since um, Black Girl in the Big Dress, my web series has gotten some traction as I've been able to get into like the early stages of potentially collaborating with some folks in the UK, which is wonderful well let's let's talk a little bit about what's been going on with you because i did see your web series black girl in a big in a big dress and it is so 
funny. I love it. It is so so funny. I absolutely love it. I'm surprised you you didn't show up in your big dress. I just want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) She is in her big dress. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's set the scene. No, no, no. I'm wearing it. it. We're actually all wearing big dresses. (laughs) Right. Now, Mike, you look lovely. (laughs) Thank you. I have been working out. (laughs) (laughs) So, So tell everybody about it and what's been happening with it. Sure. So Black Girl in Big Dress, just to, to, to recap, in case anyone didn't, didn't, didn't hear the previous podcast or in case someone hasn't seen it, um, Black Girl in Big Dress is the story of an awkward African-American Anglophile um, dating in 21st century Los Angeles with like old world 19th century ideals. And she part of her story is that she goes to these reenactment events um, that um, you know, pay homage to the Victorian era and these big dresses and she does English country dancing and stuff like that and doesn't know how to deal with how crazy dating is and today um i it came about because in um sort of like the diversity area we're in i was getting i i did see an uptick in the number of meetings i was getting people were like oh this is so great you're a black lady and this is going to be great we're doing an urban take of this or a hip-hop <laughs> take of that and that's just not my world i just don't know anything about those things and so I was talking to a friend and I was like, I just wish there was a show that was like part sketch comedy, part period drama, part romantic comedy. <laughs> and my friend was like, why don't you just make that? And I was like, uh, fair enough. Okay, great. <laughs> and that's how Black Girl in a Big Dress came to be. And we released last fall. And since then, we have uh, we have more than 2 million views. We have about 50,000 Facebook fans. Nice. We were nominated for a Webby Award against Netflix and the BBC in our category. Wow. And for a little while, so the Webbies have uh, a popular vote and then the, the board vote. And for a little while, we were actually beating Netflix in our category. I think Yay. it was like one screenshot of that day, um, which was great. We came in second to Netflix. Which That's amazing. I consider that to be a win. Again, yeah. considering I have for a marketing sure. budget of zero dollars <laughs> and Netflix. Netflix is Netflix. Um, and yeah, so that's what's been, so that's, that's the show. That's what's been going on with it. We just wrapped production on season two. Um, we started producing that in the summer. We ran an Indiegogo campaign that was successful. We shot the seasons a little bit, the, the new season's a little bit longer. It's a little bit bigger. We did, um, I think the thing that I'm still most proud of is we had um, a grand ball scene. And so we had about 30 extras, like all in period dress, show up at this location and dance for us, which was amazing. Nice. <laughs> um, and it's been great because since then I have um, found myself in meetings that were more tailored to who I actually am as a writer and what I actually do. And it's also just, it's been an amazing, you know, it, it travels with are fans all over the world. And so I, yes, yeah, so I've been able to connect with some folks in the UK because of it. Um, yeah, it's been great. So, so any discussion of, well, how do we lift this? off of the web and directly onto screens how do we adapt this for tv and just make it a tv show any discussions of of that Uh, a a bit most of the folks that have been reaching out to me have not been interested in in doing that so much as they are just have other projects that are in a similar line or fashion um i am talking with a producer now about coming up with a solid pitch for it um to turn it into a proper it doesn't mean it is a proper show, but turn it into a more traditionally formatted show. Well, we should work yeah. on that. Want to work on that? Yeah, let's work on that. Okay. Let's right. do it. Uh, speaking of, what about the the pilot that I read of yours, which I love? Oh, thank you so much. Um, that is, um, th- n- there has been no movement with that particular project, um, but lots of other stuff has been happening. Oh, good. It's been a really busy, it's been a really busy six months. The last six months, I wrote a preschool pilot for one producer um, working on an animated 
pilot with another set of producers. Um, I actually wrote it all down because I've been really busy and I kind of forgot about stuff. Um, oh, and the end, um, I'm working on developing uh, like a transmedia, like young adult adaptation of some Jane Austen stuff for a startup that I'm <laughs> so excited about. It has genuinely been one of the funnest things I've ever written. How perfect. Yes. Talk about your wheelhouse. It's great, yeah. Man. It's good. There's a lot of big dresses in that. There will be a lot of big dresses in that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, Regency dresses are not that big. They that's have, that's true. They, they have, have a slimmer silhouette. They they do. Yeah. I got I got married in one. Did you? I had a little yes because Emma, yeah, the mm-hmm. movie Emma was mm-hmm. was really big oh at that gosh. time. So I had a little Emma dress. Love it. Don't have the right bod for that. No one has the right body. You're for supposed that to dress. have big bosoms. No, 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 no one does because then it doesn't because then the waist doesn't right. pinch in. No one looks good right. in Regency exactly. dresses. Exactly. I look back on that. I'm like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> They're not good for anybody. Did I think I was Gwyneth Paltrow? I don't think so. So yeah, but so I, I'm with you. But yeah. uh, yes, it, it, so we change it. It's not a big dress anymore. It's a, it's a, what do we call it? The, what kind of a dress? The like the Regency dress. I didn't yeah, a Regency dress. Yes. Okay, it's a Regency dress. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations <laughs> on a, on everything. Thanks. And Mike, you also come out of the internet world, but from sort of a, a, a different angle. Yeah. The reason that, well, I don't know if it was the reason you came here, but when you were coming here, um, you had just sort of sold uh, what you were doing to John Green's company, yeah. right? Um, John Green in the internet world, kind of big. Yes. Kind of big. So remind everybody what, what that was and, and, and what's happened since. Sure. So I had started... Um, as a young adult novelist and after i had finished the first or the final draft for my publisher harper collins of my debut novel i was burnt out with writing but i wanted to be creative so i started making youtube videos and like through outrageous good fortune i got john green who was at the time the most popular young adult novelist in the world uh to kind of be my fairy godbrother and he was just like the biggest fan of my first book he's like he got it in the people magazine he said it was the book he wished he had written um and then uh like nine months after i posted my first video on youtube i was working for john and his brother hank um and that was adulting or how to adult to adult which by the way uh washington post totally ripped off that title for me and (gasps) I'm not saying Bezos owes me money, but I'm not, not saying that. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying he does. Yes, yeah, fair. <laughs> okay. uh, so yeah, I, I, I ran a channel called How to Adult that I uh, had co-created and I co-hosted it. Um, it was about all the stuff you need to know as an adult that they don't teach you in school. And I did that uh, and lived in Indianapolis where John lives for about three years and had moved out. I, I sold it to them in late 2016, which is when I moved out to L.A., so it was kind of two things. Like I had just, I, I loved working with John and Hank. I'd kind of burn out on the format. So I sold it to them and a really great producer who had just been nominated for Best Picture wanted me to adapt my second novel, which was called Mr. Fahrenheit, um, into a screenplay. And uh, I actually have a degree in screenwriting. That's kind of why I started writing novels. Like I had a script option at school, but I was really terrified of LA. So I thought, well, maybe I'll like get in the back door by writing novels and adapting them. And yeah, so that's kind of where I was the last time we recorded. I was just uh, finishing up the dra- uh, like the draft that would go out of Mr. Fahrenheit. So things were happening on yep. a production level out here as a result, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but but when I when I got in touch with you, you said, you know what? 
I don't quite feel the same way yeah. about writing features now that I that I did. And should I be on the podcast? And my feeling was yes. Tell everybody what's what's happened. Like what's what's going on? What's you know? Because a, a lot of people may be feeling the same thing. Yeah, sure. First, I will say like I am so proud of my fellow go getters. Like, you guys have done <laughs> amazing <laughs> things. You're so sweet. And like you have like. Uh, climbed the mountains that you were <laughs> assessing the last time. Um, I have uh, chosen a different mountain at the moment. Um, so spring of 2017, that's when we recorded it. I finished the script um, and something happened. I, I, think, I assume a technical error because the producer uh, never answered my emails after that. Oh, God. I'm joking. He was just not answering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It went into spam. Yes. God, the most, I think that is like the most uh, prolific excuse in Hollywood. Oh, it went into spam. Um, so yeah, like I was really devastated by that. And then I had also been writing a novel that was like contracted. And it was supposed to be for like several tens of thousands of dollars. And I had uh, turned down other like regular jobs to do that and I had been working on it for about nine months and then I got a call from my literary agent saying that for reasons entirely out of our control and not related to the quality of the book it was being canceled and rather than getting like forty thousand dollars I was getting two thousand dollars oh no yeah so I, I went into uh like a really dark uh, little, not little. I went into a dark valley for a while. Oh boy! And yeah. I <clears throat> was really brought out of it by um, <laughs> this kind of accidental career that I had started when I put up my first video, and John and Hank saw it and liked it. Which is, uh, I got hired by BuzzFeed to be a video producer for a while, and I made a video that, uh, like, I really loved um, called proof that your dog loves you uh, <laughs> i'm so proud of that it's like one of my favorite things i've ever made um what what is one piece of proof that your dog loves you right so there is this uh neurologist <laughs> yeah in uh atlanta georgia who trained his dog to lie still in an fmri machine and then would expose the dog to different smells and in doing this, he was able to look at the response in the reward center or emotional center of his dog's mind and found that it's not that dogs love us because we give them food, because they react so much more when they smell their owner than when they smell food. Oh, wow. Aww. That's yeah. neat. Yeah. It made a lot of people cry, and I'm so happy Aww. about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you proceed with your story. I just, I just had to ask you that. Okay. Much obliged. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I worked with BuzzFeed for a while, and then um, I was kind of just like, uh, BuzzFeed went through some drama, um, and then I was about to leave L.A., and my friend was like, oh, you're so nice. You shouldn't have to be really sad all the time. And I was like, well, tell the world. Uh, and so uh, she drove me, uh, she said, come over, our dogs will play. Um, her name is Jill, just so we have a name for this story. So I went over to Jill's house and uh, dogs played. Uh, turned out they don't actually like each other. So she was like, let's go to, um, I'm going to name this guy Toby. That is not his name. And I mean that genuinely. But she was like, let's go to meet Toby. And I was like, oh, wait a second. You mean that like ridiculously successful director that I had no idea you were besties with? Oh, my gosh. Wow. And she was like, yes, of course. 
how have I never mentioned this? And I was like, I don't know. We've known each other for five years. This is sort of weird. Uh, but yeah. You're like, this would have brought me out of my depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like we, we go to Toby's house and he's like, oh, um, John Green. You know John Green? And I was like, yes. And he was like, for reasons Mike cannot describe in this story, I also know John Green very well. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And basically, he, I was literally applying to jobs in North Carolina, uh, which is where I was planning on moving. And Toby was like, hey, you want to um, adapt this classic thriller novel with me for the president of a studio that is probably <laughs> Paramount? And I was, please cut that, actually. Please cut that. Uh, yeah. No, but uh, would you want to write this uh, adaptation with me? And I was like, yes, that's amazing. Um, and that is probably where the story uh, like would fade out if this were a Hollywood story. But then Toby had to go back and do a bunch of reshoots on a blockbuster movie. And so that was table. And I was like, okay, for real, I'm out of here. This brings us to summer of 2018 when I was offered a job by Google. Um, and it like the Toby thing fell apart and the Google thing came out of nowhere. And I went through six or seven rounds of interviews with them. Um, I later found out that after they had interviewed me the first time, uh, the woman who would become my manager said, do we have to interview anybody else? Which Aww, was like so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like they offered me a job and a salary. Like I say this because I always had too much month left at the end of the money. You know? <laughs> but, like, yeah. Wait, the month's still going? Yeah, like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, the salary was like a third more than I thought. And they're like, also there's stock. Also there's a mandatory bonus. Also, the benefits are ridiculous. Also, uh, we have nap rooms and free massages. That's awesome. And I was like, also, we're Google. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I've been working at Google as a YouTube content strategist because awesome. I made a video on my phone because I was burned out after I finished my first novel. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I've been working there since July. It is currently November. No, it's December, isn't it? My God. I feel like Marty McFly. It just happened. Late. December yes. just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like it. Uh, I probably will reconnect with the director formerly known as Toby at some point. Um, but I just, like, my job at YouTube is to help creators make better content and find hmm. a bigger audience for that content. Awesome. You mean at Google? Wow. What did I say? YouTube. You said YouTube. Oh, right. So Google owns YouTube. Oh. And technically, yeah. <laughs> are we the only ones that Adrian, didn't know Adrian's that? like, she's nodding. She's like, yeah, idiots. Yeah. Okay, Pilar, you yeah. and I didn't Yeah, exactly. Ah, All right, here, fist We bump. live in Woodland Hills. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything. Fair, fair. Uh, yeah, and technically, Google is itself owned by a company named Alphabet, which owns, like, all the weird stuff, mm -hmm. like their self-driving cars and, like, their smart contact lenses and all that stuff. But... Yeah. Um, Hi, everybody. This is the point where you've stopped fast-forwarding through my uh, story. You can hit play again. I'm done with my update. No, no, that's a pretty... You know what? Uh, what I, I love I that love, story. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting. I thought it was going to be, and then I stopped writing. But no, you're still writing. You're mm -hmm. still telling stories, and your stories are still getting you work. You said yeah. you, did, you did something on your phone because you were sad, yeah. right? And that's what got the attention. Tell everybody about the, the thing you did on your phone. Oh, sure. Yeah. It was just a video that is still on... Uh, YouTube, it's called Scarecrows and Nostalgia, and Nostalgia, uh, and it was just a vlog like about my experience uh, moving back to my hometown as an adult, um, and how that made me feel. And mm -hmm. I had made it in the style 
uh, or a format that John Green had invented. And like the first night I put up my first YouTube video, he retweeted it and said like, that was very, very good. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I did a happy dance for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, which led eventually to John loving my novel, which led eventually to them offering me this job. So this thing on their phone was, that's so funny. I know. That is, that is so funny. Now, mm-hmm. now uh, with you being the guy who's looking at content for, for YouTube right now, mm-hmm. um, what are you looking for? Can you give people advice for people who are either, you know, doing story content for YouTube or vlogging, but want to, you know, be more narrative in their presentation? Yeah, for sure. So like, um, I'm going to kind of make up an example. Let's say that you have a channel where like you build ridiculous Lego things and you want to make more stories. The, a lot of people make the mistake of being like, well, I'm done with Legos and now I'm the story person. Tell your stories with Legos. Um, Mm. Like what I've Mm -hmm. found more and more is that like having a deep audience is more important than having a broad audience. Like that's going to serve you much better. And the way you do that is finding a really interesting niche. Ideally what you want is something that people are already looking for where there isn't a lot of competition for that kind of content. So rather than having a channel like about filmmaking, you have a channel about like screenwriting and like even more specifically, like maybe you're like a character driven writer. And like there, that's where I think people in like the increasingly competitive mm-hmm. ecosystem find success. I feel like th- I very much accidentally stumbled upon that concept with yeah. Black Girl in a Big Dress because the there are no movies or TV shows about historical reenactors. And that community is deep. Yeah. And they're stoked about their storytelling and it and i and i didn't really have any idea like i had done a lot of renaissance fairs and that kind of thing but the levels and layers of historical reenactors are are many and they they love it and it's been it's been great it has been great to get to know them as well to interact with this community and i've learned so much like i kind of made up a bunch of stuff for a black girl in a big dress that most of it turned out to be true, which was great. Yeah, I was like, I think events would go like this if I were going to have one. I think they'd be like this, and that's how they go, which was great. Um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to see because I also do stand-up and I do storytelling. And one thing that's interesting is that my Black and Big Dress audience is not that interested in my normal stand-up or my normal storytelling. And... That's fine. Um, but to but I've been doing that stuff for a long time and like people have liked it. It's been friendly, but like this very specific show is is what's really popped. Yeah, people it's like a wonderful thing to discover yourself in a thing that somebody else created. Like mm-hmm. very rare I think John has this line in his new book that uh very rarely do you find someone who sees the same world you do. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. So yeah. yeah. Congrats to you. Yeah. That's great. And, uh, but also, uh, you know, with all three of you, right, the specificity of your voice, your projects, your, you know, your, the, the subjects of your stories, that's so, I think that's what makes you all stand out, right? And so many people out there are sort of chasing a formula or chasing what they think is successful and you read it and it's very good and it's just like everything else. Yeah. And the three of you is like, yeah, nothing is like this. Um, Den- Denise, do you feel like now that this particular project, even though you wrote it 14 years ago, has hit 
in the world, are you going to continue to write about sort of cultural events all over the world now that you've like, now that your stuff is playing all over the world? Um, I'd like to, that'd be really neat because I have traveled the world a lot. So I have a lot of stories I'd like to tell and the next script that I'm writing and I'm actually co-producing with two really big producers. I brought them the project and they were like, yeah, let's do this. And it's a World War II story set in Denmark. And I write comedies, you know, but I love stories, mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I even, you know, had my horror short that was produced. Because it's like, if it's a good story, it's a good story. So, um, so yeah, now this is set in Denmark. So when you were asking her, like, would you move to London? I mean, I wouldn't move to Denmark. But if it gets shot, if and when, yeah. be like, I'll go there for six months if you need me to. Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I will also point out before I forget, uh, we're talking about, like, writing about these like amazing places that people have been I don't want to brag but I've been out of the United States for a grand total of two hours in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> I can only write about West Virginia or the Midwest because that's where I've lived but I there's stories there too there are, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's some pretty specific uh, look if you go from state to state to state you know yes. it's it's like going from country to country totally especially right now you know right? everybody's really yeah. doubling down on what their identity is sure. you know whether it's Good, bad, or ugly. Like, it's like, okay, this is, you know, I'm this, I'm this. So, you know, there are stories to tell no matter where you're from or where, what For you're sure. traveling. Yeah. But the fact is of like doubling down on whatever you are interested in yeah. goes back to your advice about like, why aren't you using Legos to tell your story, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Can yeah. I actually say one thing? Yeah. Something else that, Mike, you were mentioning is that horrible crushing feeling when you've worked on something for a long time and it, it just evaporates or disappears. And I remember the first time that happened to me, I was so excited and it was adapting. Um, it was adapting a Korean film for, uh, for an American producer. And I was so excited. And I wrote, I, I, and I wasn't on it nearly as long as it sounds like you were working on these things. Um, but it was just a few weeks. But in that time, I wrote like a really fleshed out premise. I like pitched it back to them. I wrote two outlines. It was probably like 100 pages all in. And it was like, okay, we're like going to sign the thing and it's going to be great. And then it just turns out that the executive who started talking to me about this actually didn't have the rights to that film. Oh, no. And so it just went away. Oh. And I felt so... I feel like I had done something wrong. I was like, have I, like, did I bring this on myself? And it was, it's so hard because it's yeah. so much work and emotion and energy that you put into something. And then, yeah, and it's not, and they don't, they're not like, well, you know, you worked on it for two weeks. So here's some money. It was just like, no, um, bye. And yeah. I was talking to some more advanced writer friends and they're just like, oh yeah, welcome to the club. That is yeah. going to happen yeah. a bunch more times. I just think though, like, of course, when those things happen, Ugh, you're going to be devastated. That's just normal because you put your heart and soul into mm -hmm. it and you're like excited because yeah. all this thing's happening. But like, you know, even with my movie, when I wrote it, I didn't think it would take 14 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I wrote the first draft in two weeks mm -hmm. and, you know, I thought, all right, it'll probably get produced this year. And the producer director ended up getting cancer two times during oh, those times oh and then ended up doing a documentary on it. So she had a lot going on. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I tell writers, especially the young writers is you just keep moving forward. You just yes. keep working on new scripts. And I'd always heard that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it almost to me was like, well, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden two years ago, she's like, so we're going to start, you know, getting ready for production. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I just wow. wasn't, I really thought this is never, and the next thing, I knew it was getting produced. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's normal to be, you know, 
upset about those projects. There's Mm -hmm. definitely producers I've worked with that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm working with this producer and then I'm not anymore. But you just never know where it's going to lead to. Even the World War II project that I'm working on, this man, um, so he, uh, his name is Neil Maclis and he's um, produced uh, both Grease movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like tons of movies, right? And he um, was friends with my stepfather and that's how I knew him and he'd read scripts of mine over the years and kind of just became a mentor. You know, we'd meet for breakfast, super nice guy, you know. Um, but nothing was coming of it, you know, and when I found this other idea, um, I asked a friend of mine at ICM, I said, look, I want to produce this movie and I want to write it. And he's like, all right, this is what you do is you go to these producers, you say, I'm going to produce this. I'm going to write this. What do you want to do? And I went to him and, you know, literally not thinking he would even bat an eye. And he's like, great, send it to me. I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're ready for the sort of the runaround and, you yeah, know, pat yeah. you on the head and yeah, send you away, right? Yeah, but, you know, it just shows, too, like, you, you just have to ask. You just, those relationships, you don't know when they're going to turn into something. Yeah. You just don't know, you know? And so, you know, all these years I'd known him and I just would just every so often, hey, this is what I'm working on. And I would always just let him know. And he'd be like, that's great. That, you know, he'd always be there for me. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, how do you feel if I involve my Academy Award producer friend? I'm like, um, uh, I got to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll get back to you. You know, so you just, you just don't know. And, you know, people yeah. always say like networking. I'm not really a networker. I don't want to be out like at something like schmoozing, but it's like, that's networking. Here's yeah. somebody that I'd known and I had been keeping a relationship with that I never really thought would turn into anything, but yeah. I just kept in touch with him and kept letting him know what I was working on. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Jill for five years and she never brought up Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, you you know, to me, that's networking too, is just Mm -hmm. being a normal person and having friends and always doing your craft, always doing your craft because you just never know. Like even some of my friends that are like big producers, been directors, and when I would first start writing, they would sort of look at me like they wanted to pat me on the head, like, oh, you're a cute little hobby. And I'd be like, whatever, you can think whatever you yeah. want. And then now my movie came out and they're like, hey, I'm like, yeah, I always told you I was going to be doing, <laughs> I I was this. doing this. I, it wasn't a joke. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going anywhere. I don't plan on going anywhere. This is what I love to do. Yeah. And so now those people even kind of look at you a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like you have to believe in yourself and just keep moving yeah. forward. And mentally, you're just going, suck it. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I have a, a showrunner friend who I've known for, we've been friends for six years. And he, he's written some stuff that I actually, that I really, really love and that I was like a huge fan of before we met. And then we became friends through friends. And, and it took me probably four years to ask anything about the business. Cause I just, I, I, cause he's also like a great guy. And, uh, and then, and that was fine. And then another, like another two years passed and there was definitely like a little voice of mine that was like, I wonder why, why this person never, I mean, he knows what I do, like blah, 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 blah. But like, whatever, he's also my friend. So we just move on. And now he has a show that's very specifically related to some very specific interests of mine and is like, oh, we're probably going to take that out and I'll give you a call for that. And it's like. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. like, that's, that's not why I'm friends with them. No, we're yeah, we're right. friends. And, and then eventually you sort of move past that, like, what can this person do for me? And you're like, oh, this is just my friend. This is my, a person who I like spending time with and let you let it go. And then it's amazing, like, how sometimes that comes back. And that back. person's been paying attention to you. Yeah. You know, and, like, had it in their head and probably yeah. appreciated the fact that you're not constantly pitching yes. them. And, right, and right. All those yeah. kind of things. Right. And, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I hope you get that. I also do as well. It's, it's, a, it's a very cool project, so we'll see. I liked what you said, Mike, about 
an accidental career. Yeah. I think, um, you know, half the people that are on the show, it was an accidental way in, even though, like you said, Denise, they were creating content. But yeah, it's just sort of like the sideways opportunity that well, comes well, along. Even for me, my India thing, like when I went traveling around the world, um, it was about an eight month trip. And as a writer, that's a big time to not be writing. And I was so torn with traveling the world, but yet I wanted to travel the world. And it was like, am I wasting time? Is this going to be putting my career on hold? Well, the thing that happened in India is what turned into my movie. Who, who knew that? And right. I think it's like you have to just follow your passions, which is what it sounds like everybody on here has done. Do what you do and then tell your stories. Yeah. And then that will lead to something because you're being true to you. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the, I, and I, I've, I've kind of gone peak California in the last few months. And I very much <laughs> believe in like manifestation. Yay! I have a life coach. <laughs> I, you know, you'll be laughed at in London. Be careful. <laughs> but I do believe in moving just toward the things that you love because even the idea for black girl and big dress came while I was in London talking to a friend at LSF and I that was an offhanded comment that I made but I put myself there because I love being there and then ended up having this conversation which has led to all this stuff and follow your follow your hearts everybody yes, like, for uh, sure. I have uh like I almost had like this spiritual shift inside myself Hello, welcome to California. Uh, but, um, well, this is good. Look, you yeah. know, I'm not a very touchy-feely person. I'm always very practical. It's like, this equals this equals story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's good sometimes to just talk about this because everybody's really feeling this kind of stuff. Yeah. So lay it on us. Come on. It's right. no problem. So I will lay this on you, listener. Um, I, <laughs> I just kind of like, I, like, I just went to like the border of like the maximum amount of psychological pain a person can go through <laughs> the border there's yeah. a border oh there is <laughs> so you reach the limit people are mad there there's like really bad food at the border uh, but um i just like uh, you know what i'm done being miserable to briefly inspire mm. envy in the hearts of people i don't really like Ooh, wow wait could you say that one more yes, time please I'm real. done being miserable. Miserable to briefly inspire envy in the hearts of people I don't really like. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Did you write that down somewhere? No, I just made that up because I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. That is really, really good. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah. Um, oh, advice for, um, now you've given some great sort of emotional advice, which is, you know, push through, push through, push through, push through. But I'm sure over over this time, whether it was dealing with somebody not returning an email yeah. or whether it was being in a meeting, you know, or being at a debut of your movie. Um, tell me something that sort of practical on a business level that you've learned, um, you know, that might be helpful for people who are new to the business. She's looking at oh, I was looking at <laughs> I, I was, I was, my head is just on the side. <laughs> Um, I feel like I also am a big fan of, of practical practical stuff, and I love the concepts of um, sort of moving slowly, but I'm a big slow but steady person, um, and I can get emotionally overwhelmed very easily. So it is important for me to keep moving forward, but also not do so in a way that's going to make me upset. So I am a big fan of just like I do three pages a day. Mm. It's not a lot of it's not a lot of script pages. Sometimes it takes twenty minutes. Sometimes it takes an hour and a half. But it's enough. 
in three pages a day, you can write a pilot in a week and a half, write a feature in a month. And it's a, for me, it's a nice pace to keep moving at. It leaves me time to then reach out to like one contact a day. Also just like, just say, Hey, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Like that just happened. Or, you know, um, it's not necessarily asking for anything, but like to just send a text to someone and see how they're doing or congratulate them on their show or something. And it keeps it, um, it keeps the writing for me. It keeps the writing moving forward. It keeps me connected to people in, in a space that's not overwhelming. Like I don't like, yeah, I hear people who are like, Oh, I, I wrote until six in the morning and I cranked out a hundred pages. I'm like, those are terrible pages. And you're going to be burned out for the next three days. That's at least how I'm configured. That's what would happen for me. And so that's kind of, those are my two like day-to-day practical things. And then, um, finding ways, um, I'm naturally very introverted. I'm naturally a little bit shy. So another thing was me practicing a lot, finding ways to talk about myself in a way that felt good and true to me that was communicating information about what I could do or what I have done, but that, that felt okay with me. Um, so a lot of that was literally like sitting in front of a mirror and practicing having those conversations so that when I was out at an event or a screening or something, I had, um, I knew what to say about myself and felt comfortable saying it. I like great that. advice. Yeah. Great advice. I like what you say about writing three pages every day. Cause like that, I don't even have that much time. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm actually envious cause as you know, Pilar, we both have kids. And mm-hmm. so, um, wait, what we have kids. <laughs> <laughs> those things that and they still fit into costing. these dresses. <laughs> I am so behind. <laughs> yeah. Those kids that keep making you buy food for those, uh, yeah, those are your kids. But, um, so, but I have so little time yeah. that, um, it's, I'm just happy if I'm writing, but I write almost every day. So instead of being like, okay, you're gonna write three pages. It's like, no, you're going to sit at the computer, even if it's 20 minutes, even Mm -hmm. if it's a half an hour. And you know, again, it's same thing. I I guess I feel like a shark. It's like, as long as I'm moving forward, I'm not going to worry how far, because like you said, it's like, I'll think, oh, maybe I didn't get a lot done. And then it'll be like, oh, you wrote three features and a pilot this year. And it's like, oh, well, that's not bad. You know? So it's like, as long as I'm moving forward, you know, same thing, like reaching out to people, you know, as long as I'm doing that, I, I would get too upset if I, I would get no sleep. I'd be that Mm -hmm. person that was up till six and then I'd be a wreck the next day, which that would not work. So, um, I've just had to just accept that I'm always moving forward. And like you said, I'm, it's slow, but steady, you know, Mm -hmm. there is no race and maybe that's the moral is you're not in a race against anybody, but yourself. Yeah. How how old are your kids now? Uh, my son, I have one, he's 15, 15. So he's at the, he's at the age where he actually wants to leave you alone. Oh, definitely. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. He's out of town this weekend on a hockey trip. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I definitely have, you know, time to, you know, but still it's like I work and it's like, you know, there's always something, mm-hmm. but it's like, I, I still find the time, you know, to write. Even when he was little, he, he would sit next to me and watch a cartoon and he'd see mommy on the computer oh. and, you know, writing and we would read scenes together oh. and, That's and, great. and then I'd be like, well, that wasn't funny. And he'd be like, no, it really wasn't, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so then I'd, we'd rewrite, I'd be like, what about this? He'd be like, oh yeah, that's funny. Or, you know, so he's actually really good at like awesome. being, giving me honest feedback. <laughs> I think that's a good, a good way to get your kids to respect your writing time is to involve them a little bit, yeah. is to share stuff with them and make them excited about what you're doing instead of seeing it as competition. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's how I got 
got my kids to forgive me for being a busy working mom was I'd come home and I'd tell them about some of the stories that were told in class or the places I got to go or whatever. And, and it makes them feel like they're on the adventure with you. Yeah. Yeah. My son's always loved being a part of it. And like, he'll ask me like, Oh, what are you working on now? And then like, I just finished a rewrite of my yoga comedy. He's like, he's so funny because he's like so critical. He'd be like, wow, that's taking you long to rewrite that one. I'm like, really? Leave me alone. Like, I am raising you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's your, he's your career coach. Come he, on. He really Hurry is. It up. He really is. So, so um, again, and now clearly, like having been to the border and back, right, <laughs> Mike, um, you know, it, there's so much that you've learned this year. Um, emotionally, definitely about pushing through, but also on a career level, you're not running over to North Carolina no. after all, right? No. So, so um, clearly, even though you, inside is, this was hurting you, you were professionally moving past certain things. Mm-hmm. So, so again, like on a professional level, what any advice for people out there as far as like what you're learning about, maybe taking great interviews, things like that. Yeah, like. Again, I'm so proud of everyone at this table. And like my advice is, I'm not doing this to just be contrarian, but like my advice is almost the opposite. I'm just speaking to like me from the past, I guess. Like I graduated uh, from my university with the highest grade point average in the history of the school. I was so committed to writing um, that... I didn't even get invited to the rap parties for the student films I wrote because they assumed I wouldn't come. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so that was like me. I, I, like, I just, I worked so hard and I tied my entire identity mm. to how productive am I, how successful am I or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just done. I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't care what past me thought success looked like because he was mm. just me, but dumber. You know, <laughs> and so like, so there's a little of, okay, for, cause doing three pages a day or, or 20 minutes a day, you know, is really good for most people in, in terms of, of discipline, but some people have mm-hmm. to give themselves a break mm-hmm. is yeah. what you're saying, yeah, right? Because like yeah. he pushed yeah. himself too hard. I did. I burn out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, you know, I'm going to personally speak to that a little bit too. Um, yes. because I, I, this was the first year when I was like, wait. I can I could just maybe say no to that. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to, right? Cuz I'm also somebody mm-hmm. constantly on the move and then suddenly it was like, "Oh, I'm getting really tired. I think I'm getting sick." Yeah, <laughs> no dude. I've yeah. had a cold like constantly yeah. for the past 2 years. Yeah, and so sometimes that is and that is and when you do that, suddenly things come your way that you mm-hmm. really did want. You you say yes to the things that yeah. you know that you are personally enjoying. And then you get that sort of mm-hmm. accidental career that you're talking about. You were hanging with a friend that you enjoyed, right? Yeah. 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 Like I like everything good that has happened in my career, I think everything, has been because like I made something that I liked and like I really didn't even think that that many people would be that interested in. You know, like who cares about my small town hometown in West Virginia? But like John Green saw something in that. Mm-hmm. And then like I was genuinely ready to leave. I was like, okay, I tried LA and it didn't work out. And my friend was like, well, but maybe Toby, you know? Um, and like, I, I just, so there's this, there's this storm on Jupiter uh, that is uh, like many times the size of earth. And it's been raging for longer than 
the United States of America has existed. Whoa. Wow. And when I get stressed out, I like think about that storm and it makes me feel weirdly calm because I'm like, I, 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 this is this is a little temporary jaunt I'm on <laughs> and I would like to enjoy the time I have. Yeah. Um, and there's this quote I really love and you can substitute, substitute the word smart for cool or important or successful. And it's from a Jimmy Stewart movie called Harvey. And the quote goes, you know, years ago, my mother used to say to me, Elwood, in this world, you must be oh so smart or oh so pleasant. Well, for years, I was smart. I recommend pleasant. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. That is wonderful advice to go out on. Yeah, I okay? love that. I agree with you. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm yeah. really glad you decided to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. know. And will you promise me, if you ever do consider going to North Carolina again, that you just get in touch with me too, so yeah. I can talk you out of it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. If you know Toby also, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Toby. Okay. Um, so I want to thank, again, uh, thank you to Mike Martin. Thank you to Denise Cruz-Castino. Thank you so much to Adriel Walden. You guys... You rocked it. You really are go-getters in every single way. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Um, Oh, oh, I forgot to do all the promotion stuff. So where, where, where do people see your stuff? Okay. Um, Adriel, let's start with you. Uh, Black Girl in a Big Dress exists at all the socials under that name. Black Girl in a Big Dress. Yeah. Excellent. Denise, where can people see your movie? And remind everybody what it's called again. Sure. Five Weddings. And like I said, it's right now on Amazon and Fandango Now and Cox Spectrum and stuff like that. And and what about your blog? Do you still have that? Yeah, I do. Um, Screenwriter Writing. Blogspot.com. Excellent. It's on my Twitter, too. At Cruise Writer, if someone wants to look it up. At Cruise Writer. Okay. Adria, are you on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Oh, and what is it? Uh, It's Black girl, big dress, BLK, oh. girl, big dress. Okay, yeah. great, great. And you, um, <laughs> you're on, you're, you run Google and YouTube. <laughs> yes. So people can find all that stuff Where there. is yeah. that? Where is that? I yeah, haven't yeah. heard of that. Yeah, like YouTube.youtube? Do you Google Google? Oh, you do, you do. You end up at the nexus of the universe. <laughs> I mean, even though you're doing all that, you may still not want people to get in touch with you. I mean, are you, are you, uh, are you somebody who still <clears throat> tweets and all that stuff? Yeah, mostly like, puns about the president okay yeah but um yeah uh yeah i'm at t mike martin i write uh, novels under the name t michael martin uh there are two young adult novels the first one is called the end games the second one is called mr fahrenheit and i'm also on youtube and like all the platforms just you can find me but but if your youtube channel got banned for some reason this has been a thing that's happening Please don't contact me. I can't fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, you don't want everyone no, to reach out to That is good to know. That's good to yeah. know. Okay. And I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv. We got live classes here in the studio that some of you guys have taken. Um, we've, you know, there's the recorded classes. There's all kinds of good things coming up, so I'm not going to list them all. Just go, just, just go, the, go to the website and you'll see them all. And it, I'm so, so thrilled because it puts me in touch with talented, vibrant writers like you. Thank you so much, you guys, for Thank being here. Thank Thanks you. to all of you for listening and have a good writing week. 